Welcome to Run 12-1 Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Gowen. Well, this is Pastor Justin Goins, your host for Run 12-1 Podcast. Thanks for joining in again. This is season number two, episode number one, in which I'm entitling the Book of Acts. We are going to, over the next probably about a month or so, um, at least go over um, each each chapter in the Book of Acts. Um, now, some weeks we're going to have to split it up. I can't do a whole chapter just because of things that happen in them, but I'm going to do my best to give kind of an over overview of each chapter. Now, now, the book of Acts is written by the author Luke, the Dr. Luke, the same. You may also have heard his name or the gospel of Luke, um, into which Luke was writing. Actually, he's the one of, uh, he's the only Gentile writer, New Testament writer, author um, in the New Testament. Um, he's a doctor and a very wise individual. He writes his gospel from an eyewitness standpoint, meaning he would go and he would um, interview different people in regards to who were still living, by the way, but those people who were literally around Jesus. And so his his gospel, the gospel of Luke, was written as an eyewitness account. In the book of Acts, it's basically his sequel to the gospel. It's about how Jesus, the gospel of Luke, showing the personal, the person side, how Jesus was really personable with individuals. He also writes more about women and through the women's perspective than any other gospel writer does. Um, and so it's kind of unique in that aspect. Um, but really the gospel of Luke is recording all that Jesus did while he was here on earth. Whereas the sequel, who he's writing to Theophilus, the God lover, uh, the lover of God. Uh, we don't know anything else of him really in the Bible, except for when Luke drops his name here. Now, um, we also know that according to this title that he was given most ex- most excellent, that most likely this is a Roman official. That's that's a term that was given solely really to Roman officials. There's a good good evidence to believe that this is either Luke is convincing or Luke is writing to a believer Roman official, regardless, or named Theophilus. Regardless, the book of Acts is is not Jesus absent whatsoever. In fact, it's really what Jesus did through the believers after his ascension. So whereas the gospel is what Jesus did with his disciples, the life of Jesus, the book of Acts is really what his what Jesus does through his disciples and the spread of the church, church history, if you may. So we see the church. We'll learn next week. We jump into Acts chapter number 22. We'll see how the church is birthed. But before we get to Acts chapter two, we got to deal with Acts chapter number one. Um, and one one small caveat of introduction, I guess, to add on the side of here. This is around Luke is covering from about AD 30 up to about AD 60, AD 61, which we believe to have been when he is writing this in regards to finalizing this in about AD 60, AD 61. So he's writing about a 30-year period. So the book of Acts is covering a 30-year period. So Luke's Luke's point is not to point out every single thing that the church did, or the Holy Spirit did in every church that was birthed. He wanted to give an oversight to show what, uh, what the move of the Holy Spirit of God did in the early church believers and how fast it spread and recording a lot, not all, but a lot of events that took place in a 30-year span. So that's kind of the introduction, if you may, of the book of Acts. 
I hope you flip there. If not, I'll give you time to flip there right now to chapter number one. And with that, we learn kind of two, two main things. Now, there are a ton of different things that we can take from this first chapter. I mean, the first five verses alone is doctrinally uh, jam-packed. But really, in verses one through five, he is kind of regurgitating or kind of picking up. He's kind of giving a, if, if you may, for like us pastors or teachers, when you get to the next day or the next Sunday, if you're a teacher at a school and you open up to the next lesson, you may give just a brief kind of um, summary of what you just learned about the day before, maybe the weeks before, and then jump into it. That's kind of what Luke does here in verses one through five, but actually also kind of following on into verse up to verse 11. He gives who he's writing to in verse one of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. He's writing to Theophilus until the day in which he was taken up after though the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles unto me had chosen. And so he writes over to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion, after the passion week, his death, burial and resurrection, infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days. That's his ascension that he'll talk about here shortly. And speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, salvation. And being assembled together with them, commanded them. So he's still talking about Jesus here. So it's kind of like looking back at the end of his gospel to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the of the Father, which we know, by the way, there is, um, I believe it's in Luke's gospel. Luke, uh, where is it here? Um, Luke chapter number, I should have wrote that down. Let me write. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. We also know if we go back into John 14, John 15, John 16, Jesus is promising this is af- this is kind of as he's walking from the upper room or into the Garden of Gethsemane or really right before he John 17 happens, um, John 14 through 16, they're kind of walking um, around through the streets of Jerusalem, making his way up to the Mount of Olives where he would be betrayed, uh, pray first and then be betrayed. Jesus is talking about this comforter, this individual who would come and fill them. And, and, and actually they could do more with this comforter in them than they could do with Jesus Christ literally with them because they would all be dispersed into different areas of the world. When Jesus was here physically in person, he was confined to where he was at. But God, as here we go with the Trinity, but God being God in three persons, God is omnipresent, everywhere present. But the second person of the Trinity is when here on earth was isolated to where he was at. But the Holy Spirit and dwelling believers, the early disciples, as they went, they were able to go in way different areas, still having the Holy Spirit of God with them, permeating, permeating within them, allowing them to be able to do things um solo at times as well. So, um, but this is what he's talking about. He's talking about the promise of the father, the Holy ghost that was becoming, which saith he, ye have heard of me. And then he drops in John five. Many people get bogged down with this. If you kind of think of the Holy spirit as the uh, element, if you may, the fifth time, um, sorry, the, the correct understanding of this, however, is my Bible I'm reading at the bottom of my Bible is that the Holy spirit is the element of the baptism, just as water was the element of baptism of John. He's saying that you were going to be, um, immersed with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some some different denominations teach that in order to also be saved, you have to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Uh, when we look systematically throughout the New Testament, we understand that at the moment of salvation, at the moment of salvation, when a New Testament individual receives, confesses of their sins, believes in their heart, 
And God raised him from the dead. Well, I'll just say it, but Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. For if you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the man, uh, for with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation with the heart. So, so the heart internally um, is what we learn about or that, that we internalize understanding. And I'll flip there real quick so I make sure that I get this verbiage exactly correct. But it says, for with the heart men believe with under righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So God has a way. There's only God's way. Many, many people will say, hey, you can get saved this way, this way, this way. God literally tells us in Romans chapter 10 through the Apostle Paul, his way of salvation. It starts with the heart belief. Then it, then it, then it exits with a confession out, out loud to God, a prayer out loud to God, confessing Jesus Christ is your Lord. Understanding to not to the full extent, but that you're a sinner, you're lost. Jesus made the way, paid the price, lived your life, paid your price and resurrected, understanding that I'm receiving him as, as the Lord of my life. Um, that is how one is to be saved. When that happens, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit fills that believer. But the but the 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 disciples were waiting for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to basically start, and this is what they're leading up to. And then we get in the verses six through verses eleven, and it's really just the account again. He kind of even Paul's. I I, I kind of like how. Luke writes. I mean, he, he's a really good writer. If you read, if you go back and read his gospel, his gospel is very, it, it makes plain sense. Matthew's got, not that any other ones don't make sense, but in order to understand the book of Matthew, you really have to be an, a, an Old Testament student. You have to know quite a few things about the Old Testament in order to fully grasp everything that Matthew's writing about, because Matthew is writing predominantly to a Jewish audience, Jewish Jews who had turned or had placed and believed they're in, in Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. So a lot of the terminology, a lot of things that he used was pointing back to help better un- Jews understand what he was writing about, or actually Jews who had converted to Christianity, help them better understand. Um, so it, it, you know, a lot of people mention about John being the easiest gospel to read, and as, it's, as I believe all of them are, but they all have their uniqueness because of the uh, audience to which they were writing to, but Luke being a doctor, but yet being able to write about the personableness of Jesus. Um, and also just, just the simpleness, I think, of how he explains things. And he's even more here. He kind of switches gears in verses 6 to 11, and he kind of paints this scene about how Jesus is still with the disciples. And before he ascends in verse 7, he said unto them, is it not um, you know, they're, 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 they're asking for when he's going to come or when all the, you know, this, that this promise is going to come. And he said unto them, is it, um, it is not for you to know the times, nor the seasons which the father hath put into his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy ghost has come upon you. So you'll have the Holy ghost post Holy ghost. You'll have power and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the, of the earth. And then he goes on. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld as, as he was speaking, these things, or had spoken these things. So basically he finished and now he starts to ascend into the clouds out of their sight. And while they were looking steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up and this, I'm reading verse 10, two men stood by them in white apparel, believing most likely angels or maybe, you know, Old Testament saints who passed away. We're not exactly sure. It doesn't specify here, but nonetheless, there are two men in white apparel who were not there that are now there. Which said unto you, you men of Galilee, why, why stand you gazing up? What, what, why are you standing here and gazing in heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you, shall come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven. And so they're saying, hey, guys, he said he was coming again. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here. Why, 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 why are you standing around? 
Didn't he just give you a command? Didn't you, he tell you to go and to wait until you have received the Holy Spirit and the power that comes from there? And by the way, they didn't totally understand what that was. I mean, the disciples were still confused. If you read the, the ending of the gospel accounts, they were still drastically confused about what was happening. They were confused about Jesus saying he was going to die and resurrect. They they got something, but not all of it. And then post-resurrection, um, it was wow effect. And they still didn't understand when Jesus was explaining even here that he was going to go again and 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 not be around and they were still kind of confused and hence another reason why i believe they were kind of standing there gazing but also i mean when was the last time you ever saw somebody talk to you and all of a sudden start floating away from you going into the clouds i mean unique sight nonetheless and so they're going to be like what in the world and then kind of standing in shock i guess uh you know these two men in white apparel like hey um go and wait basically he gave you a command he's going to come again he's coming again praise god jesus is coming again and so they go on and then it shifts gears again in verses 12 through verses 26. And this is kind of the kind of three shifts in this first chapter. We pick up and they return to Jerusalem. We learn in verse 12 and all the disciples are together. Uh, they continued. Verse 14 is vital to understanding this next section. It says, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and the Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. And so the what what was the not church yet but what were the early disciples doing while they were waiting for what Jesus had just explained about they came together and they were with one accord unity doing what in unity praying making supplications and everybody it wasn't just the men it was the women everybody was together in unity waiting patiently for what Jesus had just explained to them, waiting, 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 waiting until the coming of the Holy Spirit of God followed, which we'll learn about in Acts chapter number two next week. And then, but while they were waiting, they just were not, and this is what it explains to us as well as we're waiting, as we learn other books in the New Testament, First uh, Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, the book of Revelation, understanding eschatological events or eschatology or the study of end times, knowing that Jesus is coming again, but we don't just stand gazing into heaven, just waiting and, and not moving. He's given us commands to do. And so we are to be obedient while we're waiting, active in the faith, active in sharing the gospel, active in your church attendance, active using your gifts within the local body, active being a good steward of your time, of your talents, of your treasures, all of which we learn in the New Testament. We're not to be spiritual monks, if you may, or even a physical monk where you just sit around and isolate yourself waiting. God's given us tasks. He even gave the disciples, these early disciples, tasks to do while waiting. And they waited. And then Peter standing there. And I love this because it's the simplicity of understanding preaching. The simplicity of understanding preaching is very, very easy. Understanding here, I'm actually going to flip real quick also back to a church history book. And to, I believe, Ezra. Ezra, what is it? Ezra chapter number eight, I think, is that where it's at. Let's see. Eight, I believe. Hold on one second. Ezra eight, eight. Probably not Ezra eight, eight. Um, let me flip here real quickly. I'll find it. I want to make sure I get the correct. Um, sorry, Nehemiah, not Ezra eight, eight. Nehemiah eight, eight. Um, we really see even in the Old Testament, how they understood the word of God and what they did in order to simply teach it. And Ezra, this is Ezra reads the law to the people. Um, 
in there when they are coming back into Jerusalem. And it says, so they read in the book and the law of God distinctly. Number one, they read the law. They read God's law. And then they gave the sense, meaning they explained it and caused them to understand the reading. So they explained it. So they then they applied it, meaning causing them to understand it, meaning here is what you are to do with what we just read. It was that simple. Even in the book of Nehemiah, Ezra said, hey, we're going to read it. I'm going to help you understand what it's saying. And now I want you to take this, have understanding, meaning knowledge applied or wisdom. Here's how we are going to apply it. Those three things, read, explain, apply. We see the same thing here followed out in in the book of Acts with Peter. He gets up, he stands in the middle of disciples as basically the leader, and he explains. And right now it says they were together 120. So there's 120 of them at least, bare minimal. Could be more, but at least 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs be have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost spake by the mouth of David before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. And he explains a couple things about him. Then he then he explains what he was talking about, or the scripture that he pointed to in verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell there and his bishopric or his office let another take. Verse 21, wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. And what he was what he was saying there, and it was Psalm chapter uh, number 69, verse 25, and also Psalms 109, verse 8. And so he's going back and through this time of prayer and reading and 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 prayer time supplication, there was also Bible reading, Bible explaining going on. And Peter realizes he puts two and two together and saying, hold on a second here. David, David prophesied about this and we're living in this right now. So let's be obedient, immediate obedience. They were allowing them to understand some things. And Peter says, we need to fulfill what David wrote about back in the Psalms about basically Judas and how we need to put another person in his office. And so when we read verse 22, 23, 24, we see that happening beginning from the baptism. And he gives kind of certain things about people who were with us, with Jesus. And they appointed Joseph to Joseph called uh, Barsabbas and also surnamed Justice and Matthias. They bring these men and they prayed and said, verse 20 is key too. And they prayed and said, thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these of these two thou hast chosen. And so they didn't just choose, and choose choice, sorry. They didn't just choose and appoint. They chose. There were certain criteria. They had a certain criteria to be an apostle. Had to have seen Jesus, been around Jesus, accounted these things that we learn about in verses 20, basically 22 through 24. And then he said, okay, we're going to pray. And they're going to pray not, not, not to anybody else but God. God, you know the hearts of the men. Move our hearts to which one you want us to pick. That's pretty much as simple as I can get explaining verse 24. They prayed to God and said, God, you know our hearts and you know what should happen. Move our hearts in accordance to your will. I mean, that's literally what they were praying in verse 24. Then after they prayed, verse 25, that he may take a part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, uh, uh, by the transgression of uh, fell, that he might go into his own place. And they gave forth their lots. And it's not like they cast dice or pulled, you know, straws out of a hat. They voted. And that's what that means. And the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And so they prayed. They said, God, simple. You, 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 know, you know what you want. God, you know our hearts. Pair our hearts with your heart. Pair our will with your will so that we know which one of these we should place in there. 
prayed, the Lord moved in their hearts, and they chose Matthias. Now, a lot of different offices in Scripture, pastors, deacons, leadership, when we're questions about who should be in what position, if we have two or three or four candidates and only one position, obviously you can't fill them with all. It's simple. Go back to Scripture. Be obedient. How did they, how did they fill positions in the Old Testament? They had criteria, in this case, for an apostle. They had, we have criteria in the Bible for pastors, criteria for deacons, criteria for other people when we look at their um, gifts, administration, gift of grace and mercy. We can learn these in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. Combiling, if you take all those, there is some redundancy in the gifts, but we can step back and look at them, and there's criteria for them. And then if there's an office and we have multiple people applying for that office, we pray, God, you know the hearts. You know what your will is. Align our hearts, align our will with your will so that we we can choose the right person. You pray together, and then you obey together. Don't cast dots or dice or, or straw, pull straws out of a hat. You pray. Allow God to move in the heart and say, I believe this is, I trust my, my, my heart, being paired up with God's heart, saying whoever that candidate is. So that's pretty basic information of the book of Acts chapter one. Now there's a, a lot more in here, but for the sake of just understanding the firsts, the first basically prayer group post Jesus ascension we see in Acts chapter one fifteen. The first biblical ex, uh, exegetical understanding of Old Testament post the ascension of Jesus Christ by the apostle, or by the disciple Peter. The first church vote, or not really church yet, but the first vote post Jesus ascension happens in this chapter. How they voted happens in this chapter. The book of Acts, and we're going to notice this theme, is a book of firsts. It's the birth of the church, the first church, and we'll see next week. And then we see a lot of, we see first church complications, first church deacons, first church, a lot, first church missionary sendings. It's 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 actually pretty cool that we can get back to the bare minimals and saying, okay, this is how we're going to govern a church, or, or this is how I'm going to use my gifts. If you're not a pastor or a deacon, if you're a church member, you have gifts. God's blessed you with gifts. He's given every believer gifts, spiritual gifts. And you should be utilizing your spiritual gift for the glory of God. In doing so, we read the book of Acts and we can see how we ought to be living and serving based off the basics, the basics 101 of what we see in the book of Acts. And so we take those. And when we have certain things like a vote for a position, when we have how are we simplicitly going to just pray and how do we read and apply and study the word of God? I, mean, I think Nehemiah 8.8 is key. Read, explain what the text says, and apply the text. And that's exactly what we see Peter doing here as well. So I pray this was a joy to you. I pray you understand. Uh, next week, we will be looking at Acts chapter 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we may have to split that chapter, that chapter up because there's two big things that happen in that chapter. So we may have to, next time you hear the podcast, we'll probably be dealing with half of chapter two. Then the following week, we'll deal with the last half of chapter two. This is Pastor Justin Goins with Run 12-1 Podcast. God bless. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Run 12-1 Podcast. Run your marathon race that God has placed you with. God bless. <laughs>